We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, man, Tyler actually uh, told me on the field, he was like, man, we got the best duo in the league. Uh, we feed off each other very well. And then it, it doesn't help that, um, you know, when David and, Fre- and Freddie uh, Swain come in the game, uh, they just bring that much more energy uh, to the field. So and I just believe that we got one of the best and closest uh, rooms in the league. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. I got the blue check next to my name. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. Now, what you guys just heard there was, uh, Chris, quite the claim from DK Metcalf after, I guess it's a claim from Tyler Lockett, technically, after the Seahawks uh, win 37-27 to uh, over the uh, San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. And, you know, I don't, try not to speak in hyperbole too much, but I'm not really in a position to put up a good argument with Tyler Lockett there because, I mean, we shouldn't do it today because after DK had the day he had, man, they're just trading off. It's just greatness. Like, we talked about it last week. Tyler Lockett against the Cardinals had, what, the best, one of the best receiving games ever? Probably, arguably the best one ever. It's really ridiculous what he was able to do. And what happens the next week? DK Metcalf has one of the best receiving games in franchise history. Like, I looked it up. The only people to have a better day than DK Metcalf had against the Niners, which was, if you guys didn't, I've got the numbers in front of you, 12 catches, a buck 61. Those are both career highs for DK. Two touchdowns. The only people that have better games than that statistically, lock it last week, and Steve Largent in like 1987. That is insane. Like the, uh, I know uh, a lot of people in the press box, like they're when they were writing their stories, and I did this too on Sunday, they were writing like, oh, the defense finally figured it out because that was the story through three quarters. But I kind of, in the back of my head, I was like, no, man. Like this is a really good example of – this Seattle offense. It is the definition, you know the phrase, pick your poison? It really is that, bro. Because, like, you can be like, all right, we're going to shut down 16 and then force them to have to, like, beat us with DK Metcalf. Uh, check. We can do that. All right, we're going we're gonna to focus on 14 
and that way, you know, we'll just force us force them to beat us with a with sixteen. Check. <laughs> we can do that. I know they didn't beat the Cardinals, but that ain't like its fault. Boy <laughs> smoked <laughs> uh, the Arizona. And then if you're really unlucky like Dallas, they both go off against you, and then yep. your team, and then your team is is kind of screwed, man. But like what DK is doing to d- every week, basically. If you don't have Patrick Peterson, you can't stop DK. This dude is the it's different. It's just a different type of cat. And between him and and Tyler, what are they like? Only two other duos and receiving receiver duos. Got to be very specific here. There's only two receiving duos that are in that convo. No. Julio and Calvin and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Those are the only two that, well, the only two duos that come to mind. We'll see what happens with Mike Evans and Keenan Allen because he's no oh, uh a Mike Evans a b. Well, that's an oh yeah. Well, now it's AB considering he is with that team. But yeah, that's another. I mean, they might have three receivers when it comes down to it—a trio. Yeah. But I get where you're going with it. But yeah, just tonight or watching these guys today, watching DK today, he's he's special. Someone, um, I'm in a, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of other writers, um, and someone asked in the group chat. Actually, I think it was uh Tashawn. Shout out to Tashawn Reed covers the Raiders for us at the Athletic. Um, he asked like, where does DK rank among? receivers right now and I was like you know I, I gotta read my response but I said something to the effect of I don't know it'll be easier to say that after the season we gotta see a full body of work but DK is at that point where if you don't have an elite receiver he's gonna burn you and even if you do he can still do his thing cause like what's elite the DB what'd I say receiver oh my bad thank You're you good. if you don't have an elite corner he's gonna burn you that's just kinda how it works and that's whether that's top 5, 10, whatever there's only a few dudes like that. Or if you don't have an uh, elite corner, you're, you're barbecue chicken, burnt toast, whatever food you would like to use when someone's getting beat. And I like how we use food for that. It's a really, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. Like, who did we Google before? Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. We, yeah, I did a Twitter search for Drake Kirkpatrick just before we start recording, and just a picture of burnt toast just popped <laughs> right, <laughs> just, just pop right up. That's the first thing uh, in the search. And I wrote this before the game in my preview because, you know, I always say, like, who I expect a big game from. Yes. And I was going through on Friday or Thursday night, and I was like, oh, who's going to have a big game? Let me see. I'm like, oh. DK, yeah, like this is the easiest one I've probably done, unless I pick Russ. I could do that literally every week. Uh, but I was like, ah, I'm gonna go with DK. And I was thinking, I was looking at the roster. I was like, oh, if these guys single cover DK, they are screwed. I don't know why they did that, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's so like you have to do it sometimes. Uh, no, depending. I'm cheating. <laughs> no, you don't think uh, so. If I'm the head coach or defensive coordinator, I'm letting someone else beat me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know it's not the NBA where. Everyone else makes other plays, but in the NFL, there's ten other guys on the field, and actually four of them make him, can make plays. If I'm going to shut down one of them, I'm going to not allow DK. I'm going to make him. I'm going to have him play a game like he did against the Cardinals, where he had two catches for 23 yards. For to be fair, they did single him a little bit. They were just singling him with Patrick Peterson. Yes, but I'm putting a linebacker underneath and having my receiver shade outside. Yeah, you got to do something. Come you got to do something. You know, because uh, what's his name? What's oh, my man's name? Emmanuel Mosley. Oh. Poor Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, that was literally with shout out to Tim Booth of the AP in the press box. Uh, DK stiff armed Emmanuel to the ground, <laughs> and all you hear is in the front in the row in front of me. Oh, poor Emmanuel Mosley. I don't know the brother. I didn't really read much about him. I just know I was looking at the lineup and I was like, 41's gonna have a long freaking yeah, he's five nine day. A buck ninety. Is he really? He's little. Oh, that's that's compared to DK. Yeah, no yeah to, he's bigger than both of us. Yeah, but like he's oh that was so it was so bad. I think the ne- next gen stats. 
said that uh, DK lined up against that dude 24 of the uh, 39 uh, uh, routes that he had. He got targeted nine times against Emmanuel, had seven catches for 120 yards. Yeah, man. It's... And two touchdowns, man. It's just like, what are you? If you're Robert Sala, I, I tweeted this, or no, I put this um, on the athletic. I was like, trust is very important, right? For in a healthy relationship, you got trust. However, Robert Sala's trust in Emmanuel Mosley is toxic behavior. That is not good trust. He was trusting that man to do some things against a dude he just has no business guarding. It's just like, you know how Kyler Murray was smiling when he saw D-Hop <laughs> one-on-one with Quentin Dunbar? Yes. I, Russ got to be thinking the same thing, looking over there like, huh? 14? Well, he did. Shoot, he had 12 catches today for a buck 61. Yeah, well, they weren't <laughs> They were all on a uh, dude. But they weren't all, but shoot. Yeah, it's it's it was a healthy percentage. Yeah, that's 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 just unfair. Like you, you, you Robert Sala. Like, what are you thinking, brother? Like, you, you gotta double the man. You let someone, you make someone else beat you. Have Ty Lockett drop another two hundred on you. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. But man, at least at least it ain't a guy that's supposed to do it. Come on, man, six four against five eleven one ninety. There's thirty pounds difference right there. And he can run routes too, man. Yeah, it's not like DK can just run straight. He can also do that. But I mean, you saw what he did today. It's First touchdown of the game was just <laughs> a little dig route over the middle, 10 yards, ended up being a 40-yard touchdown, and no one could catch him. Right then and there, you should have said, we're going to shade the outside, put a linebacker underneath. I don't care about anybody else. We're not letting him get loose. You know what's crazy is DK's second touchdown when uh, it was on the goal line, and I'm like, all right. Oh, there's no – because it was after the first touchdown, so I'm like, okay, there's no way. And to get down there, they had single covered him, and a 35-yarder over dude's head, so I'm like, okay. There's no way they're going to man him up again, right? No, no, no. no. They did. exactly what they did. Because I'm thinking, I see the linebacker, he's just going to drop into coverage. Nope. <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you see DK right there, right? He's 6'4", 235. You don't want to double that man? You don't want to put a linebacker underneath? You just want to leave your little corner out there one-on-one with him? Cool. The Seattle's going to make it look easy. you got the best quarterback in the league right now, Russell Wilson, who's able to put the ball anywhere, and you have a 6'4", DK. I'm 99% sure DK's going to win that. 10 times out of 10 against that cornerback. Yeah, the 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 way the Seahawks offense is humming, man. They got it. I mean, a shout out to Russ too. Russ had a great day. Uh, four touchdowns again. Like leads the league in touchdown passes. Leads the league in touchdown percentage too, which is a really important set cuz you know like last year or no, I think the 2018 year was like really impressive. He was like second in touchdown rate right behind Mahomes and Ru- Mahomes was throwing a lot more. He threw way more touchdowns, but like Russ was throwing them at a very similar rate. I think uh, Mahomes ended up finishing with like 8.7%, which is really good. Um, and then Russ was probably like 8.1. Like it was really close. It was ridiculous. I think Russ is over 10% now, which is just like, come on, man. That's 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 ridiculous. He, and he can throw touchdowns to really whoever. Who did he throw to? He did two to DK. Who did he throw one to DJ Dallas today? Who else caught one today? One more. Oh, David Moore. David, yep. David Moore caught one today. Like every, Russ is just cooking. They put up another 30 ball. With 37 points, like they've hit 30, what, in all but one game? And Crazy. Th- and in that game, they scored 27 all in the second half. <laughs> like, the, these dudes, is, it's it's insane kind of what they're doing. The whole offense was humming. Like, shout out to the O-line again today. I thought the O-line was really, like, money after the first – where Russ got sacked in, like, the second play. After that, it was like, oh, okay, like, this is humming. But the whole day after, like, DK's first couple catches, I was like, I think I even tweeted this too. It's like people still cover DK one on one. Like that—that's what you guys do. That's what you believe in. 
like after Stephon Gilmore getting getting some barbecue. You sh- that should have been a fair warning. Like, damn, he did. Stephon Gilmore, defensive player of the year last year. That says a lot. And DK does what? Yeah, had maybe. that man on the ground, face down, eating Come turf. On, man. <laughs> this reminds me of the duel between Ty Lockett and DK. It reminds me of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, where they're just. You just can't stop him. Like, oh, you want Kyrie to go off? He'll give you 40. LeBron's just going to put up 20 and 10. That's fine. You lose by, you know, 10 points, 20 points. I, these two have really shown that they are a problem in this league. And DK is on his second year. This is not DK year seven. <laughs> this no. is DK year two. Was he, was he 22 years old? Something 23, like 22, and he's only going to get better. Like, that's scary. Yeah, Russ said that after the game. Russ was like, yeah, I think we're just getting started. And Russ says that about Everything. Everything. <laughs> like you ask Russ how he's doing playing this year, it's like, yeah, I'm just getting started. It's like you're in year year nine, brother. Like this is a, at the very least the halfway mark. Like <laughs> you're not getting started. Like you're good, but you're not getting started. No, DK really is just kind of like yeah, and just getting just getting cooking. And I think him and Tyler are both tied for the league lead in touchdown receptions. Scary. I think uh, I think Mike Evans is up there too, and they play Monday when everyone's probably listening to this. So who knows what Mike Evans will do on Monday Night Football? I guess the Giants, who are very 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 bad. But, like, right now, you got two dudes tied for the lead. I think they both have seven. I think Devontae Adams yeah, has Adam, s- Adam Thielen actually has seven. Then Ty Lockett has seven. Mike Evans, six. And then DK's going to move up with seven with his two today. And then what? Ty- I think Tyreek Hill might have a bunch, too. Like, because he, he went busy. He has five, but he had two today. So he'll be, I think he'll have seven now. As well. Yeah. Yeah. I got to check the leaderboard uh, officially. But nah, man. It's just, it's just kind of unfair. The whole day, like, what I wrote today, I was like, man, it, this was really like pick your poison. And the ultimate decision was death by DK. That's like, fine. It, hey. <laughs> no, the Seahawks will take that <laughs> yes, literally <they> every game. <laughs> <laughs> literally every game. Like, they didn't just, just play man on him the whole time. Like, they did some zone stuff, too, but it was like, it didn't matter. I just can't wait to watch the 22 film where I can see him breaking down in his routes and just showcasing his skill set. Because I know all of them I wasn't able to see exactly what he did. I just see him open, <laughs> which says a lot. Yeah. Actually, Emmanuel had one good play in the end zone, broke up a touchdown. Yes. That Woo. was a really good play. It was. That's how a DB should play every time. That's what I want Shaq, Trey, all these guys to do consistently. Turn your head. It it's, is, it's hard. They lit- it's really, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to do that. We literally, well, last season when I went to training camp, they do a drill where they literally practice turning their head. I just don't understand how you forget. I mean, you do it probably every practice where you guys are running full, you guys are striding, the ball's up, the receiver turns his head, your head should automatically turn as well. And you know what that does? Put you in better placement for you to make a play on the ball. Nine times out of ten, though, guys are running with their hands up in the air and they're not turning around, which is either leads to a pass interference or a receiver making a play on the ball because you didn't turn your head. It's really not that hard. You just got to get comfortable with it and continue doing it. And then when the opportunity shows itself, you just got to react. I don't know what happened. I think guys panic and they do panic. You can't panic. You just got to it's like when you, you it's like when you swim, you don't forget. You get in there, you know what you're doing. Coming from a guy that doesn't know how to swim, but yeah, I was just going to say do you know how to, you don't know how to swim. I don't. But for those so listening, how you know? You have to pick a different analogy, bro, if you can't. Because I can't swim either. But the analogy makes perfect sense because those swimmers out there, they know when they get in that water, you can't panic. You know what you're doing. You've done it. Relax. Get swimming. Okay. I guess it's like riding a bike. But even There then, we go. There's a better. A one that we can do. Well, I do know. I haven't ridden a bike in a rid. I haven't. Is that how you say that? Road. I haven't been on a bike. There uh, we go. I had to fix that. <laughs> oh, man. I, I didn't sound I haven't good. Ridden. Is it ridden? We're not gonna go down that path. That's true. That's that's true. That's but true. To the to the point. Shout out DK. 
Yeah, actually, yeah, five dudes have seven receiving touchdowns. DK, Devontae, Tyreek, Lockett, and Thielen. Oh, yeah, Devontae had, like, three last week, and then he had two today. Yeah, no, Devontae Adams is... And he was probably all cooking on those routes. Oh, yeah, it's, it, what he does to the Vikings every year is just really disrespectful, disrespectful <laughs> stuff. Like, if someone wanted to throw... I'd seen this dude from the Bears throw hands uh, with somebody oh, on the Saints. That was so weird and yeah, hilarious. But if, if a Vikings DB was like, you know what, I'm just going to do on this play, I'm going to punch Devontae Adams in the helmet. Like, I don't understand. Punching in the helmet is stupid, right? One of, one of the dumber things you can probably do, you're going to break your hand. But, like, if out of frustration somebody was like, I'm just going to punch him. That's it, coach. I get it. That's cool. That's what that's what I'm going to do. Like, I can see if someone wanted to do that to DK there. Like, if Emmanuel Mosley was like, like, went for the handshake after the game and he just Storm. swung, I'd be like, you know what? That's 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 messed up. But I feel you because he was getting beat. Every play. Real bad. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Except for that one play. I don't even care about the one. I and mean, he got man, called for defensive holding twice. My man, <laughs> my man gave up, I believe, two touchdowns today. I, you can knock down one pass. Good for you. I got two touchdowns on you. Where do you, th- the last thing on DK, where do you think he ends up ranking by the end of the year? Well, we'll go first top 100. I think he crashed your top 50. Wow, you think he really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it, right? Where is he at right now, midseason? He is top five in everything, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider Res- yeah, yeah. that he stays healthy and he continues on this path. Oh, the NFL players are going to be like, DK Metcalf's a problem. And he's definitely going to be top 50. I would rank him probably tier two. After this season, considering he stays on this path, I would put him there with Adam Thielen and those guys who you mentioned previously. Adam Thielen, mm, who am I missing in that top in that top tier? That tier two group is really fun. I think Keenan Allen's in tier two. Oh, it's so tough. I, I think want to put him at number one. I think Mike Evans one. is tier two. I think the, the tier one only has like a couple guys. I think tier one has like D Hop, Julio, Julio, A B, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. That sounds. That's probably that's probably the end of like. That's, oh, I personally still think OBJ is a tier one guy. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah, unfortunately, he like, that's that's the sucky part. Yeah, I still think he is. Um, and if someone thinks Tyreek is, that's fine too. I, I go back and forth on that. But then after that, I got like. Then you got Amari Cooper in tier two. Adam yeah, Thielen, Thielen, as you mentioned, Keenan, Mike Evans, Keenan, Keenan Allen. Keenan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I would. I would. Stephen put, Diggs. I would say I would is a tier put two him guy. Right there in tier two, closer to tier three. But I think if he continues what he's doing. He's definitely tier two. Calvin Ridley sure. might be tier two now as well. That boy. Well, another year of him doing his thing. He's gonna be tier one. Yeah, that's a, uh, <laughs> AJ Brown's probably gonna be in tier two by the end of the. Yeah, but yeah, to your point, where's DK? I think he'll be top fifty for sure, NFL top one hundred, and then tier two slash tier three wide receiver wise. Which is crazy because he's probably gonna finish with like twelve touchdowns or something like that in a gazillion yards. Probably like I don't know. It's going to be a fun matchup next week, not to look too far ahead against another good corner, Tredavious White. I mean, that'll be fun. We'll see what he can do. That'll be fun for one party. DK. DK. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is it. We do a good job of, like, talking about both sides of the ball each podcast, at least we try to. Um, I don't really know where to start <laughs> with the defense. Okay, I do know where to start with the defense, right? Let's let's start with finally getting some pressure on the quarterback. That's a good thing, right? Like, through three quarters, this was an ass-whipping. Like it was pretty, pretty bad. Thirty to seven. Yeah, like it was, it was beautiful for, for the defensive side of the ball. Like they had a, they forced a turnover. They forced like four punts. They've been really bad. I think, I think going into this game, they had forced ten punts like all year, which is unbelievably low. Like that's that, that gets terrible. People, that gets people fired. <laughs> the lowest punt percentage uh, forced in the league. They had four through three quarters. Like they were, they were cooking. Jimmy G was terrible. He got, he got benched. He was hurt. Uh, he threw a pick. George Kittle had what one catch? 
through three quarters. Bobby was playing like a man possessed. I'm gonna get to him in a second. Like everything was smooth. Did Alden Robinson have a sack in there too? He did. Yeah, so I think it was it was it was smooth. I felt I felt good about it. We're getting some pass breakups. Like no one looked like a a liability. Really smooth game. It was good. And then Chris, then Nick Mullins happened, and I don't really know what to do with that. Like how am I? Tell me, Chris, what am I supposed to do, Chris? What am I supposed to do when you dominate Jimmy G and his beat up team? Right, have a, the best performance through three quarters that you probably have all season outside of the first three quarters of that Atlanta game, which was fantastic. You have that. And then Nick Mullins comes in and just three straight scoring drives. What am, supposed, what am I supposed to do with that? I think they got a little relaxed. I don't think they sent us. They did send pressure, but they didn't do it off the jump. I think they should have attacked Nick Mullins as they attacked Garoppolo. Like, from the jump, get after him, blitz him, make him feel uncomfortable. They didn't really – his first passing play was to his running back in the flat for a gain of, I want to say, seven yards. I mean, that's a good starter. And then they got the hurry-up offense going, and Nick was rolling after that. And they scored a touchdown. Then he got the ball back and scored again. And we saw what Nick was able to do a few seasons ago. Threw for damn near 400 yards. No, he did throw for 400. And they, there lo- you they go. got smoked, though. That they was- got smoked. But, boy, did he – he just – I think he's just comfortable. I think he also threw a pick six that game, too. Like, he wasn't, like, good in that. He wasn't great. He was legit good today. And they put, they were playing, like – I know some people were wondering, like, oh, is this, like – a? someone actually tweeted me this. Was this more like a – a prevent thing where they just gave a bunch of yards. And I was like, no. It just, they were playing some straight-up real defense. Like, Bobby was blitzing. Uh, like, And Nick Mullins came in there and threw for like 230 and two touchdowns. Had the same completion percentage as Russ, I, mean, man, I believe. Maybe they should have started Nick Mullins. I think of that about every time I watch the 49ers. Really? <laughs> no, for real. Every time I watch the 49ers, I'm like, maybe they should just start Nick Mullins. Because I mean, I've seen Nick Mullins play live, like been there in the building, I think. Three, three times, times now. Yeah. One of them, he won the game, actually. They beat the – that was down in Santa Clara. They beat them. Uh, he threw for 400 the other time. At home in versus the season. That was here, yeah. yeah. And then he, today, today, where he came in there just like a like a, like a relief pitcher, Bro, just came in there throwing gas. It was very, very strange. He almost threw for 300 and a quarter and a half. Yeah, that was uh, – <laughs> That's that's pretty pretty scary. But I, I, I'll say this, though. There's two things. One – I thought it was really important that Bobby Wagner was the best player on the defense today. Like that's not like a rev- uh, revelatory thing. Like clearly Bobby is the best player, but it's almost it's very similar to like how we said relax. You got Russ because every night Russ is probably going to be the best player on the field. You know, like and everyone just kind of feeds off that. They know as soon as they step out there, number three comes. It's like okay, cool, we straight. Like we're going to do good things because we got him. And I think Bobby, like for the, for this team to be good. Russ has to play at the MVP level, and I think for the defense to be good, Bobby has to as well. Like, he has to be the Russ of the defense. And then this is probably legitimately, like, the first year, maybe the second year that Bobby's actually – or Russ is better than Bobby, I think. Those other years, I really think Bobby was, like, a better player. This is, like, probably the first or second year that it's that it's flip-flopped. Not that that matters much. The point is that Bobby's right. You can't just be talking. you got to go out there and do it. And sometimes it's not just, like – going out there and just being your run-of-the-mill good self like Bobby is. Bobby's good every week for the most part. Sometimes he's got to be out there, look, I'm about to go freaking dominate, and if y'all ain't with me, then that's it. Like last last week he was like, everyone needs to decide they're going to play good football. That includes Bobby. But it, not only does he have to play good football, he has to play like, I'm going to play defensive player of the year 
type of football. And that's what he was kind of looking like today. What do you have? He had what, two sacks, six tackles, five assists, so 11 total tackles there with two sacks. I mean, man, he was everywhere. And you asked him about his pass rush today. He's been working on it. You know, those moves pay off. He was like, absolutely, man. And I hope the Seahawks continue to use him in that way and not just have him play the center of the field because if he's able to get to the quarterback, that just creates another element to that defense. You got Jamal Adams blitzing. You got Bobby Wagner blitzing. I mean, that could be a scary defense right there where the teams are getting – where the Seahawks defense is getting a lot of pressure on these offenses and creating havoc in the backfield. Yeah, I like the – run defense is already pretty damn good. My bad to uh, no, you're good. Cut, cut you off there. Um, I, I liked what uh, – we're going to talk about Ken Norton a little later too, and we've talked about him a lot um, just because the defense has been under fire basically every damn game. But I, I like the plan today, which is really just try to put your best player around their most important player as often as you can, which was try to put Bobby next to Jimmy G. Because Bobby next to Jimmy G is a problem for Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G is not good. We had Matt Barrows, shout out to Matt. We had him on the podcast uh, to preview the matchup. And I asked him my favorite question, is Jimmy G good? And he was like, yeah. And then – he had his argument. I personally think Jimmy G stinks. Right? Like every every time I've seen him, he mostly stinks. <laughs> That's just it, kind of the the thing. Has he played a great game against the Seahawks before? I don't think so. He's played a good game. I think, yeah, he was like good. I think in that week seventeen game, I have to go check the the stats on it. Definitely was getting his. He was getting whipped by Jadavian Clowney in that Monday nighter. Oh. Like he's just kind of been whatever but i'm really of the opinion that he stinks and i tweeted this during the game i was like the game plan clearly is just kick jimmy g's ass and see how he responds what was the answer sideline fourth quarter he's wearing a beanie yep <laughs> i was like okay ken that ain't even nothing complex because everyone uh a lot of the zoom questions after were about like oh they were doing more blitzing and more blitzing they've been blitzing at a pretty high rate all year it goes back to the point about when I talked about just having the court, who the quarterback is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You really don't want to blitz Kyler Murray like that. Because, A, that means you want, that means you trust the one-on-one options outside. I don't know if you're going to trust DeAndre Hopkins going up against Trey Flowers. That's probably a matchup you don't want to see too often. Maybe Quentin Dunbar, but when you blitz, you're doing a lot of probably man coverage. Maybe sometimes you are doing zone. They do some zone blitzes, too, but like they did today. Not, I, would say the, the, I would say that when you are blitzing, the chances of you playing man are higher. And the Seahawks today, you look at the Niners' offense right now, Brandon Ayuk. Born, what's his first? Kendrick Born. 
Kittle's never really had a great game against Seattle. I think last last season he had six catches for I want to say eighty seven yards. That's a decent game for but tight he, end. But he hasn't. There hasn't been a game where he just went off and killed the Seahawks for a hundred yards per se. You have Trent Taylor, who people are like, who is that? I don't even know who that is. He's a receiver. Was that the white dude? That was the white dude. Oh, okay. Outside of the fullback. And you have Ross Dwelly, who came in for Kittle when he actually got hurt. Outside of that, I would feel comfortable blitzing my linebackers, getting pressure on Jimmy, because A, the receivers, I don't I'm not they're they're not a threat. There's no threat with these receivers. Like, sure, Brandon. Well, the only threat he, is with Nick Mullins in the game. <laughs> for real, bro. <laughs> no, I feel it. He threw for eighty four Jimmy G threw for eighty four yards or three quarters. Nick Mullins two thirty eight in one quarter. Like the only threat is Nick Mullins. It ain't the it ain't the wideouts really. I like really that. like how the Seahawks hands look today. My point was getting my point was that when you're going up against a mobile quarterback that can move and create, you don't want to you don't want to test them with the blitz. I mean, you can unless you're gonna get there. But you have to get there and you have to stay in your lanes. And we saw that against the the Cardinals. The Seahawks weren't able to get him. I mean, he dropped back fifty times and the Seahawks didn't get one pressure on him. Yeah, this, I, that, that's just not bad. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, A, you knew coming in, ankle injury, can't really move. We already consider that he's not a good quarterback. We got to get after him. We got to make him feel uncomfortable. And the Seahawks did a really good job of that. And you go back to the stats, yeah, 84 yards, interception. Well, and here's the here's – the, remember the 2017 season uh, for these guys? They had no run game, right? And Russ was just like, you know, I'll I'll do everything, right? Like I'm just going to do it. Bobby's kind of got to be like that until Jamal gets back. And he's supposed to be back next week. So maybe he don't have to do that much much longer. But even if he's if he's not, if for some reason Pete lies to us again uh, and Jamal can't play, Bobby's kind of got to be the 2017 Russ where it's just like, look, if we ain't going to rest if, – if y'all ain't going to get to the passer, I'll get there myself. If we ain't defending no passes, I'll do that myself, which he did um, – we do that again. The Atlanta game, he was really good in pass coverage. Like it's gonna have to be for this defense to to like legit be like solid because statistically they're probably still gonna be bad after this in terms of efficiency, the raw numbers, and everything. But if they're just gonna be like a, if they want to ever dominate teams, it's really just gonna gonna come down to all right. My name is Bobby, and I'm here to kick your ass. That's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break down. I'm gonna break some passes up. I'm gonna stuff some runs. I'm going to sack the quarterback. I'm just going to be elite in every facet, every night. That's how it's going to have to be done. And that's harder for a middle linebacker than it is for someone like Russ because Russ is touching the ball every play. But today was one of those examples. Like Even against a really bad 49ers, like a beat-up 49ers team, because good God, their injury list is crazy. Their quarterback's now hurt. Kittle's now hurt. Dante Pettis didn't use a bunch, but even he got rocked. Didn't Tevin Coleman get hurt again? Yeah, he re-injured his knee in the first quarter and was done. Yeah, like it's just... Their team is just down to just – I mean, they still smoke the Jets, so they ain't like a JV roster. But, man, it is, it's pretty beat up. And today I was thinking, like, yo, this is what Bobby needed to do. He even said it in uh, in Zoom after. He was like, sometimes you just got to lead by example. Sometimes you got to go out there and say, like, get on my back. And if you're not going to get on my back, I'm just going to just handle it myself. I got one more analogy. Can I give you one more before we go into Let's questions? Yes. Um, It's like that scene in Longest Yard. Not the old one, the new one with Adam Sandler. The well, old, I knew you were talking the new one. Absolutely. The old one is not funny. Don't go watch it, people. It's bad. It's not a comedy, and it's so... Anyway, so you remember when um, they're playing the Mean Machine game against the guards, and the old line just stops blocking for Adam Sandler because he's a sucker? Uh, and he's like, you know what? Fine. It's cool. Y'all want to block? I got this. And then he somehow scrambles for like 50 million yards. It was a really random play. Um, but he makes it happen by himself. 
not to say Bobby did all of this by himself today, but this is kind of one of those moments like, I'm going to get it done, guys. And if you're not where I'm at, match my energy, then we ain't going to get nowhere. And they did. I thought DJ Reed was solid for three quarters. Who else was solid? Out, we shot it out. Alton Robinson had the sack. What did KJ have a pass breakup too? Um, a couple big hits from Quandre. Nothing really downfield, you know, all game. Like overall, just kind of like a, a real solid, solid day from the defense. And I think it kind of was one of those where it feeds everything off of Bobby. It's like if Bobby's out there killing it, flexing his shoulder muscles and all that, then everyone has to like match, match that energy. And that's what you need because until, you, until Jamal gets back. There's not a ton of great playmakers on the defense. Like, they were playing a tight end today at defensive end. <laughs> like it, they, they were thin. Ben Mayoa didn't play. Shaq didn't play. Ugo didn't play. Like, it was like, I tweeted out the inactives, and everybody was like, good God, take the over. <laughs> I mean, they should have taken the over. I think it did hit, but there was legit panic, and I understood it. And it's just like we said, relax. You got Russ. Sometimes it's just got to be relax. Oh, no. What's, how, how can I do this in a cooler way? Here we go. Instead of relax, you got Russ. Breathe. You got Bobby. Oh, that's good. I like that. Breathe, you got Bobby. We should go to questions after that because that was fire. Well, I would drop this mic, but this is a really expensive microphone. <laughs> nah, we're good. Well, let's get into something that we always do right before we close out the show, and that's get the Twitter questions. We appreciate every single one of you out there for taking the time after watching the Seahawks. Don't want some questions at us. We appreciate the love and support. Mike, are you ready to jump into these questions, man? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's kick things off. This one's from Michael. Defense played pretty well today. There's a lot of backups. With the new faces and other guys getting healthy, what does the best Seahawks defense look like next week? Also, what's the roster look like come Wednesday? Keep up the great work as always, guys. Hashtag GoHawks. Appreciate the love, man. Um, That's a really good question. So I think next week, look, we're already looking ahead to next week. Um, right. It's fine. It's cool. Um, I think next week they probably don't get Shaq back. I have to get some clarification from Pete on that because he's made it sound like even if his his head is fine, um, he has a hamstring injury as well that's keeping him out. So I don't really know what's up with Shaq. I got to, like, dig into that one. So let's just assume you don't get Shaq back because of the hamstring. And then let's assume you get Jamal because Pete has said Jamal's coming back. Um, so you get Jamal. You get Carlos Dunlap. Too. I don't know what's up with Benson, but maybe you get Benson back too, right? So you got a defensive line that's got, like, Carlos Dunlap, Benson. Oh, you get Rasheem Green back uh, next week as well. Get Jamal Adams. They should kind of beat the snot out of Josh Allen. Like, I think we could see one of the best versions of this team. Someone's going to have to get cut to make room for Rasheem, though. That's an issue. I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe Bullard. Maybe they risk it with Shaquem. Not really sure there. Uh, but there's reasons to kind of be hype a little bit. Because, like, they did what they were supposed to do against a, a Jimmy G-led team. <laughs> and they should be better uh, next week against a better quarterback in Josh Allen uh, and a lot healthier. So, I, they should kind of, If they were to just, like, really rough up Josh and have – you know, because Josh makes them plays where he's solid for a little bit and then he just starts throwing the ball wherever he feels like it. And Call then, those head scratchers. Yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you know, that's your guy over there. He's open. Throw it. It, to his numbers no okay cool he just he randomly pitches it i think one game he tried to throw it that was run hilarious. play you oh know what i'm talking my. about yes yeah he it was there a was, run play there was not he just much, tried to throw it yeah it was in the fourth quarter and he just 
had a mental laugh and threw the ball backwards. Like, yeah, he what are a, you doing? He has brain farts. Um, so he's another dude that they should just do a lot of blitzing to, because while he's a better runner than Jimmy G, he's actually a really good runner, I would say. Stay in your lane. That's all I'm gonna say. D- defense. The thing line. is, it just gets him thinking. Like Jimmy G's the type of dude. Like when you just start smacking him around and getting thinking, he then he does stuff like throw the ball with his eyes closed, like he did in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like I never forget that. That's terrible. I would honestly bench a dude if you do that. That's just what. Open your eyes, dude. Anyway, Josh Allen's like that too. Like you get just get to smacking him around, and he might just throw the ball to the ref. <laughs> like that. That's, he's like, oh, I thought he was open. It, no, that's not him. Okay. Uh, so yeah, next week I, I actually would feel pretty good uh, about this team getting healthy. I don't think anyone got hurt today. I think Demontre Moore looks like he cramped up, but that was about it. We didn't ask. We should have bad on us as journalists, but I think they came out all right. So uh, they're, they're gonna be looking a lot better, and they sh- maybe they get snacks back next week too. I love that Snacks just updates us every week uh, on Twitter. If you don't follow Snacks, you definitely should. Scott Nelson. I noticed that their defense is a liability during these games, and I'll ask the looming question. Is Ken Norton Jr. a good defensive coordinator or not? This is a loaded question, and I wrote a little bit about it on Friday. And so I'm still working on the answer to this question, as we all should be. I don't think we can say anything definitive after two and a half years. Um, whether in terms of just good or bad. Here's the thing that I've kind of concluded, and shout out to Ben Baldwin because we're kind of on the same wavelength here. I don't know if Ken is a good defensive coordinator. I do not know that. Right? I. It's really hard to say that with any confidence. At the same time, I do not know if he's bad. I don't know if I can say that with confidence yet. Yeah, this defense currently is, is bad this season. But, I mean, it's super banged up whatever the only thing i'm kind of confident in saying is that through two and a half years of it ken and this isn't okay so i say five and a half years because he had those raiders defenses which were all bad um they're like yeah not good they're like 16th in dvoa his first year i think and then just got progressively worse every year i think the only thing i can comfortably say is that he's he doesn't necessarily add anything to your defense like however good like if let's say on average, based on the talent you have on your roster, your defense is gonna be, would be a three with any coordinator. You know what I mean, Chris? In that sense, like here's the talent. Your talent says three. That's what you out of ten. That's where you're gonna be. If Ken's a coach, you're probably just gonna be the three, right? Or maybe maybe a little worse. If you're supposed to be a seven, it'll probably be the seven. If it's gonna be if it's supposed to be like a five based on your talent, it'll probably be the five. It's probably not gonna ever like have the talent of a five and then jump to eight or have the talent of a seven and then jump to 10. Like it just doesn't add much in that way. There's really nothing to suggest that the defense is not going to perform above expectation with Ken there, right? Though it can perform below. It probably will not perform higher. Dang, that that sounds like he's bad, doesn't it? The no. You, no. Okay. You, the more I talked, I wasn't sure. I think you just explained it. The best way you could. And so here's the other thing, too. I think when we're talking about whether Ken is good or not, we we tend to judge a little bit based on the other coordinators that he's following. And I don't necessarily know how good any of those guys were either, independent of the talent that they had. Like, how good really was Dan Quinn? He had the Legion of Boom, right? Like, was he any better than, like, a Wade Phillips or a Mike Zimmer on defense or a... Um, a Leslie Frazier or a Todd Bowles or a Vance Joseph, like was he was he really or did he have the Legion of Boom? 
right? Like, how do you separate the talent that they had versus the, the coaching? Because if you look at how where all of those guys, like, who had a good, who's had an elite defense after leaving Pete Carroll? One guy, Robert Sala. That's it. He had an elite defense last year. He is the only one of the Pete coordinators to leave and put together an elite defense without Earl. That's it. That's he's the only one. So I don't know how to really separate the talent there. And I also don't know like how good this defense should be when healthy. I'd have to to see it uh, fully. And that's really hard because Marquise Blair, I think, is a lot better at nickel than the guys they're going to put out there for the rest of the season. So is Ken good? I don't know. Is he bad? I don't know. Is your defense going to be above expectation with him running the show? Probably not. Like I can comfortably say not. I don't know what that means in terms of keeping him or not after the season. We'll have to see how the season ends. I think he signed a three-year deal, so this will be the third year of it. So we'll see. He's got a tough. Pete has a tough call to make there. Um, the other last point on Ken. Damn, it's a long answer, huh, Chris? <laughs> You're good, man. Okay, one last point on. It's a Pete Carroll defense, regardless. So I, in that regard, I really don't know how impactful the defensive coordinator is in general, anyway. Because Pete has the principles, he has the scheme he likes, he has the personnel he likes to bring in. And you just kind of have to fit those pieces within the parameters that he gives you. So I'm not really sure how much a defensive coordinator even can add. How much can a defensive coordinator come and do their own thing and morph his defense into something special? I honestly don't know. If you need a, if you need Earl Thomas to make your defense elite, you're probably not elite at your job. Earl's probably elite at his. <laughs> it's like, it's probably not, it's probably not you. Um, so we have to keep that in mind as well it's like the same thing as like um you know how great really are all of andy reed's offensive coordinators is it just andy reed you know like how great is uh who's the other dudes matt Nagy got the job who's the other dude that got a job working with uh andy doug peterson eagles and they stink <laughs> over there in philly now offense right like there's no guarantee eric Bieniemy would get a job and be great he should get a chance but we don't know so there's a lot going on there with that. That's why I said that was a load of questions, Scott. I've been answering it for like three or four minutes. So hopefully that that does it because that's that's all I got. All right, I got to take a breath. <laughs> we got Michael Scott. Does the success that the team is having with Hyde and Dallas starting change the likelihood the Seahawks bring Carson back long term? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I think the biggest variable in re-signing Carson is – Chris's health himself, like, is he, can he, how many games can he play for you in a, in a given year? And the other thing is, can Rashad Penny be your number one? Because as, as, as okay as DJ looked, as fine as Carlos looked uh, against the Cardinals, that was really his only good game is against Arizona. Those guys are not going to be your number one in 2021. Rashad Penny is going to be the guy, if anybody, because he's your first round pick. You just can't go the length of his deal without him being your starter ever that's just stupid if, if john snyder does that he's that's just not smart um so i think that's the biggest variable and then we have to wait and see i don't know what rashad's gonna look like when he gets back i don't know how many opportunities he's gonna have to be a starter a number one guy but i think he does a, he does deserve that shot if they go his whole career without his whole rookie deal without having him ever be the number one for a season that's actually pretty pretty poor so i don't think what happens now matters with like travis or carlos or dj dallas it's really about what happens when Rashad comes back. That's my thing. Also, if you look at the the EPA numbers, the expected points added numbers, which is basically an efficiency metric that measures value on any given play, no one really looks great when they run the ball other than Chris. 
Like even DJ Dallas today, what do you have? Eighteen carries for forty-one, yep. something like that. That's not great. He had negative EPA for the day. Like he was okay. That's fine. But it's not like Chris. Chris is a an elite runner. No one else has proven that they can be an elite runner. So that also works in Chris's favor as well. Skybox Shoddy wants to know. Do you see Schneider making any moves on the deadline to bring in another pass rusher to help this D-line, or is it going to be Dunlap and the guys they got right now? Um, I think they're going to keep trying, but I, I just don't see it. The only, there's, there's two possible options that I think remain. It's Colin Washington football team. See what I did there, Chris? I that was clutch. I see I, it. I didn't, do the, didn't do the racist name. It's you call the Washington football team about Ryan Kerrigan and see if they'll, like, do some type of pick swap thing where you you don't give up a full pick because that would be bad if you if you did that I think um, and maybe you see if the Eagles will take Jacob Hollister that would be my other thought there because I think they're down tight ends I think they got Goddard back in the Sunday night game they are just trash they just need people who can catch the ball to be honest that's just that's what they need they also need a new quarterback but. Other than that, I think NFL Network reported they called about Alden Smith. I know they've called about some other teams. They've called about receivers uh, too. Um, they inquired about AB. Like they, they, they're trying to get more help. I just don't see any more deals coming together. I think Carlos was the big splash they needed. Give him some life, and then you can, you get Jamal back and you go from there. I think that's a solid, that's a solid squad. So no, I think the short answer is I don't see anything else getting getting pulled but i think they're gonna keep trying like if you call about alden smith that means you're trying that boy good dallas is also very very bad good god adam wants to know how do you think a full game of alton compares with a full game of benson um i still think benson's a better player alden robinson's gonna be good though like he's got some he's got some skills this is not necessarily the answer to that question but yo man that was a bad pass interference call on alden robinson and I, I got, I went, I got on my Jeff Van Gundy today, and I was like, I have a rule suggestion. Every officiating crew should have an ex-defensive lineman on it. That should be the rule, because I think they would understand. Because they, Chris, they want these dudes to just stop on a dime. It's like I'm six five, two sixty. I don't stop nothing. Like if I get full speed ahead, like Alden, Alton was, I'm gonna hit somebody. It's gonna hurt. That's just kind of how that goes. That's a bad call on him. But for now, Benson is definitely a better player. Jeremiah wants to know how will Kendrick's return impact Brooks? Oh, this is Michael Kendrick's? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think I don't think it will at all, really. I think they like Jordan Brooks. What Michael Kendrick's is like a good backup plan if something happens to Jordan. And he's like good insurance if you don't want to throw Cody out there again, maybe. Although I like Cody. I think he had some issues in run support in the Vikings game, so that could be why they were like, yo, let's that was the only game they've had a bad run defense. And I don't think that was necessarily a coincidence, although Cody did have that big fourth down stop to help them win that game. So I don't think Michael's tied to Jordan in that way. I think it's more tied to some of the other dudes and just some good insurance just in case anything else happens, you know, to their linebackers. We got Andrew with this one. And noticing how active Wagner was in getting to the quarterback, which defensive unit do you think leads the team in sacks and QB pressure by the end of the season? Will it be defensive linemen, defensive ends, linebackers, or DBs and safeties? Thank you for the excellent Seahawks coverage and conversation. Appreciate you, Andrew. It's a good question. Uh, right now, the D-line has a big lead because the only linebacker that has a sack is Bobby. <laughs> so that's uh, He got two today. I think it's going to be the D-line by a, 
by a pretty decent margin by the end of the year, but it wouldn't surprise me if, like, Jamal is overall, like, the number two on the team. Honestly, Jamal could lead the team in sacks, and the D-line just still have more of them by the end of the year. That's an interesting question, though. Chris, I'm going to add a question to it. Who do you think will lead the... Let's assume Jamal comes back next week against Buffalo. Who leads the team in sacks by the end of the year? It's got to be Carlos Dunlap. Think so? The guy that they traded for, you would hope comes in and gets six sacks. That's the hope. You think six leads the team, though? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we're talking four last year with Rasheem Green. I mean, I could see Jamal getting another three. That's five right there. Maybe he ends up getting six. But I think Carlos Dunlap should end the season with the most sacks on the Seahawks defense. All right. What else we got? We have George. Do you see a competition emerging between Amadi and Reed for the starting nickel role, given how well Reed played today? Um, I need to go watch the film on this one because while I do think DJ was good, A, let's talk about the revenge game that DJ Reed had real quick. And if you guys don't know the backstory, you probably do if you're listening to this pod, but DJ Reed tore his peck in, ah, sometime in the offseason. The Niners had him on the team, and the Niners were like, ah, we're just going to waive you because you're hurt, and we got enough of those dudes already that's hurt, so we're just going to move on. And then the Seahawks were like, wait, nah, he ain't hurt that much. We're going to pick him up. And the Niners are like, wait, 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 wait. He's out for the year, right? And Pete Carroll's like rubbing his hands together like Birdman with the evil grin like, nah, 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 nah. He's straight. He's, he's fine. Um, So rehab is a torn peck, comes back, and his first game is against the Niners, who waived him. Really wild stuff. Um, and then he gets a pick against Jimmy G in the first half. Like, it was just perfect revenge game. I wish he would have got DJ on uh, Zoom. I'd Probably the only thing I wanted to know, like, dude, revenge game. You know me and Chris, I love a good revenge game. It's a great revenge game. Um, but I have to look at the fourth quarter there because I think he was at fault for some of those big plays that they gave up in the fourth quarter to Nick Mullins. I mean, shoot, somebody had to be. Chris, somebody was getting torched. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was a little bit of everybody, but I got to go back and look because consistency is what's probably going to win that job in playmaking. And Ugo can make plays. DJ obviously can too. It's just going to be about consistency at that spot um, and maybe even just who's less of a liability when targeted and so if dj wins out because he ends up having a pick maybe uh we'll, we'll see but yeah the competition is definitely on over there jeremiah is double dipping he has one more for you would the seahawks be better off giving more snaps to will disley over i don't want to say g reg i'm just gonna say greg olsen mm-hmm. would there be a drop off in pass block or in blocking excuse me no i think disley's probably a better blocker so now probably not a drop off there i was thinking today like man it is so weird that Will Disley is basically like a low-end tight end number two. I really thought he could be like a Pro Bowl guy. I really think Will Disley's that talented, man. He's he's basically like a I don't, I, I, I hate calling people like a poor man's version of someone else because that just seems like the ultimate backhanded compliment. Don't call me poor or nothing. Why you're trying to compliment me? Um, but I think he's basically like a baby Kittle, man. Like he can block. He can run routes. He's not as good after the catch as Kittle. That's probably the bigger difference. But shoot, didn't he hurdle somebody in his first game against Denver? So I mean, he's he he can run. He can rumble, bumble, and stumble a little bit. So um, the answer to Jeremiah's question is probably yes. Um, but I mean, I don't think it really matters too much because Russ ain't really feeding his tight ends like that because he's got the best receiving duo in the league. So we <laughs> brought it back to the beginning. This one's from Simon. Do you see hope 
for this defense, especially at full strength. Okay, hope is an interesting word here. Um, I have come to the, the conclusion that the best version of the 2020 Seahawks defense is them being an average defense. Like, whatever metric you would like to use, yards per play, um, third down percentage, turnovers, combine it all together, DVOA is probably like the best all-encompassing metric. EPA per play is probably another good one too. I can see them getting to like, 16th maybe anywhere from 14th to 17th in like defensive dvoa that'd be that'd be fine i think that's probably the ceiling because right now they think they enter the week at like 28 and even with jamal and carlos i don't think you can possibly unless you just beat everyone by 20 go to from like the back end of the the whole league to the top like elite i don't know if this defense is currently constructed could be elite I think that would require an elite defensive mind, and I don't think they have one currently. But, I mean, Chris was talking about before the show, if Russ is going to drop a 30 ball on everybody every week, the defense really only just got to be average. Be mediocre and let Russ do the rest, and that's fine. I think that's what you the best you can hope for, at least this year. I have no idea what 2021 looks like for this defense. I really do not. They got some people to pay. They got some, I don't know what's going to happen with KJ. Like, there's some questions there. But for 2020... If they can just get to average, just be average. Anywhere, like I said, anywhere from 14 to 17, like DVOA. That should be like the, the framework we should use. You get there, when Russ is going to drop a 30 ball, oh, it'd be fine. That's a Super Bowl team right there. We got Jim. Can Alden Robinson play five technique? Uh, He will if they ask him to. Shoot, they asked ask, uh, Stephon Sullivan to change positions. <laughs> They'll definitely uh, tell Alden Robinson where to uh, line up somewhere else. Shout out to Stephon Sullivan, man. That boy, it was like, hey, man. You ever play? You ever play defensive end? You know, back in the day, you know, high school. All right, cool. You defensive end now. Like, what? Uh, all right, cool. So yeah, no, Alton can. He probably will have to a little bit because they're uh, if they're gonna have Carlos play Leo and already have Benson playing Leo, like that that spot just got pretty crowded. And I think Alton deserves to be on the field. That's an interesting question too. They can they can be pretty interchangeable up front though. Like I don't think anyone's married to any spot. I think, like, you know, Rasheem could probably do it a little bit. LJ could do it a little bit. They, they, they got all the guys who can rotate. Only person who probably can't play that is Shaquem. Chris Dunn wants to know, is Brandon Shell the best signing the Seahawks had this offseason? Ooh, that's another good question. Um, Who are the signings? So, wait, does, does Dunbar count or no? Trade. How do you want to do that? No, so don't count Dunbar. Nope. So our options are Finney, Dorsett. So Jamal doesn't count then? Oh, he said signing, right? Signing, okay. yeah. Um, so our options are Finney, Shell, Dorsett, Bruce, Greg, Benson. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. That's a good question. Probably. Probably. I mean, Benson's, Benson's like tied for your team leading sacks, too. Like, Benson's been your best defensive end, holding it down after Bruce got hurt, too. So, but I mean, what, Shell... I think I seen he cracked the top ten at ESPN's pass rush or pass block win rate. Ooh man, he might be. See, the Seahawks have legit like a top ten offensive line. Who would have thought? I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. It's right? probably one of the more confusing developments of the entire year. The Seahawks have a good pass blocking O line. Remember, during the off season, we were unsure about the O line, saying can't get much worse, right? 
yeah, I really do. I was not prepared to give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt because I just didn't think they were going to be able to acquire offensive linemen who weren't good somewhere else and make them good here. Brandon Shell is Exhibit A because he is. Well, it's, it's they did both this offseason, right? Like Finney, they shipped him out of town. Yeah, he he was one that didn't work out, but and, he also didn't see the field, which was a great thing. Well, I he, he didn't. He couldn't pick up the plays, which is a problem because Brandon Huge. Shell. Picked up the plays. <laughs> and he's protecting. Yeah. <laughs> so that was bad. So, yeah, I wasn't really ready to give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt there. I kind of was with Finney because of how good the Steelers' O-lines are. You see that backfired on me. And then the Jets are bad. So I figured if you're bad there, you're just bad. Finney's good here. Or Shell's good here. So it's it's interesting how that ended up working out. So, yeah, I, th- I would say he is the best um, signing. The best signing. The best overall acquisition. Yeah, at least for well, right now it's probably Quentin. Quentin's been solid, man. He's also been playing. Yeah, Quentin, can, he's been solid, and he can play both spots. Yep. Like when when Shaq went down, it's like, oh, we just have we got a guy who can play that. No sweat. Like imagine if they had to throw like Lyndon Stevens over there or something. You know, they still got Nico Thorpe on IR, I think too. Like you know, they just don't have a lot of options there. And Quentin's like, no, nah, I got it. I'm good. I think he had a couple of pass breakups today too. Uh, that is a good question. Yeah, of all people, Brandon Shell. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have freaking thought <laughs> their best signing was their right tackle? Last one comes from our guy Ryan Turner. All right, guys, let's get. Ooh, my voice cracked. <clears throat> let's try that again. Okay, guys, let's get fired up and let the discussion begin. Lockett goes for 200 yards last week, and DK goes beast mode this week. Who are your top 10 route runners at the halfway point? Who's new to the list and who's been knocked from the ranks? Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. Um, that's a that's a good one. I like how we're bringing it back to where we started with the first question. I like how you did that there. Um, okay, so I'm counting. I'm gonna count AB because AB's back in the league. So AB's my number one. I think my number two is ooh Devonte Adams. So I got Adams. Are you, can you keep track of this for me? I got you. Okay, so I got I got AB. I got Devonte Adams. I got Keenan Allen. Stephon Diggs. Those are, those guys are all nasty. I got ooh Amari Cooper maybe. See he might be someone who gets bounced. Should I count D or not D Hop? Should I count OBJ even though he's hurt? It's your list, man. Do your thing. Okay, okay. I'm gonna count OBJ because he's nasty. Uh, I got OBJ. Did I say Thielen already? You did not. You did now. Okay, Adam Thielen, nasty. Like, uh, go look at those. If you need any proof of Adam Thielen this year, go look at his two routes against uh, Shaq <laughs> for touchdowns in that Vikings game. <laughs> That's all you need to know. It, it was it was just short, short, short space, good footwork. Shaq got called for holding on one, and then ended up on the ground in the other. Like, I think Shaq's a good player. Adam Thielen is just nasty. Um, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is that eight? Seven, excuse me. Seven? Okay. Ooh, man, this is going to get tough. I think I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. You already have Cooper. I have A.B., D. Adams, Allen, Diggs, Cooper, OBJ, Thielen. Oh, okay. I already got him in there. Uh, Man, this is tough. Who else is in the running? You're not going to help me, huh? No, I help you. You got Calvin Ridley. No. No? Okay. No, you got Julio no. Jones. Uh, okay, let's throw Julio in there right now. I might, I might end up taking that's him eight. out. Julio. I get Julio in there. Who else? You got Cooper Cup. No, 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 no. Who else? You got is your good? favorite Tyler Lockett. I'm gonna get, you, throw Tyler in there. 
Throw Tyler in there. So that's nine. One more. I only got room for one more. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what to do with guys like Michael Thomas and D-Hop. Those are two people I really don't know where to put when we start having this discussion. Because I feel like D-Hop just is just always open when he's covered. You know? And the same thing with Michael Thomas. His quarterback can't throw past you know five yards down the field. Yeah, so it's so it's kind of tough. Well, you gotta pick one. You just gotta you just gotta get ten. I got I got one for one more spot. Got one for one more spot. Uh, I'm gonna go. There's 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 somebody else I'm missing here. I'm trying to like buy some time and think about who it would be. Uh, I, you got Stefan Allen Robinson the third. You don't have Calvin Ridley. You don't have CD. You don't have George Kittle. J- Juju Smith Schuster. No. Tyreek Hill. Maybe you want to throw him on there. No. Devontae Parker. Jarvis Landry. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, I don't know who you're looking for. Yeah, no, that's tough. Maybe maybe I would go with Tyreek. Yeah, Tyreek. All right, Tyreek. Is Tyreek top 10? Route runners? No. Well, no, I'm not going to ask you nothing. You don't really. You be hating. <laughs> you be hating. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good 10. All right, so there I got, it is. I got A.B. Adams, Keenan Allen, Stephen Diggs, Stephon Diggs, excuse me, Mario Cooper, O.B.J. Adam Thielen, Julio, Ty Lockett, and Tyreek. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid list. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. That's a good list. Ty Lockett definitely deserves to be on there, man. That boy is good. You don't get 200 yards without being a top 10 route runner. I don't think. Yeah. I'm not gonna do this tonight. We'll oh, save this okay. for another episode. Dang, I feel bad leaving D Hop out of that. Which is crazy. Oh, is it though? Okay. When you have a Saturday, I want you to just watch what he does to DBs. No, it's it's and it's not just one on it's not just throwing it up and him going and get it. Just watch how he creates separation. Cause that's what good receive good wide receivers are able to do. They can create separation on any route, whether it be a dig, whether it be a slant, a curl. I mean, hell. You saw he did a D'Angelo fall. I mean D'Angelo Hall when he was playing with the Houston Texans. Going up against them in training camp, he made him fall on a double move. Dude, rolling his ankle and was done for the day. And oh, took, the, the, yeah. Oh, that was bad. That's a good route right there. And D-Hop, D yes, he's physical, but he can also run routes like that. Yeah, no. That's, that's why true. he would be top 10 on mine. Easy. You, you know, yeah. That's I knew. I didn't know what to do with him, Chris. I'm sorry. No, I you put him in the top 10. You know what? Okay, swap that. <laughs> Let me get D-Hop. Swap out D-Hop for uh, Tyreek. D-Hop for Tyreek. Yeah, okay. So there we go. I think Lockett's probably like 10. I like that. You're right. You're right. That's cool. There's my top 10. Yeah, I was like, how are you going to leave off arguably the best receiver in the league? Like, how do you think he's getting open? I'm surprised you don't have Mike Thomas up there. But no, no, no. I'm, I'm cool leaving Mike off. That one I do feel good Mike, about. Mike, what did Ocho Zingle tell you on Twitter? He can do everything, and you just were like, nah, nah. Well, of course he can do everything. The dude had like 1,600 yards or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he can. He catches a lot of passes. Like, no, nah, I feel him. He's... He, I feel good about my 10 now, though. I feel a lot better than before when I did after we finished. Well, all right. There you have it. Mike's updated. 2020 top 10 route runners. I got to send that list to Chad Johnson see what he thinks. He's going to laugh. That's fine. <laughs> I laugh at him all the time. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to add before we shake, man? Uh, go vote. That's very key. Make sure you get your votes in. Other than that, we'll holler at y'all later. We out. Everything was a gift from a time.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.